Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. Do you want to experience what it's like to be part of our Entrepreneurial League community of founders? Now is your chance. New member open enrollment begins on June 10th, and so does our Experience Week. I really want you to have the opportunity to experience what it's like to be part of the most supportive community that will be here to support you at all stages of your business journey during our Experience Week. This will be a five-day virtual event series, and it starts on Monday, June 10th through Friday, June 14th. You're going to get access to live networking and learning events, business growth strategies, as well as office hours with Kim Perel, who is a CEO and serial entrepreneurista, as well as a prominent angel investor. You will also get access to a session on how to win grants with Kat Weaver and Katie Dunn, founders of Power to Pitch. Plus, our mentor, Carrie Kirpin, will be teaching a session all about how to build a profitable business that can sell for more money. And of course, I'll be hosting two info and networking sessions where you can really get an inside look at all of the exclusive benefits and resources that are offered only inside of our Entrepreneurs League community. Plus, you'll have the chance to meet and build relationships with current members. You can register today for Experience Week over at entrepreneurs.com forward slash experience week. That's entrepreneurs.com forward slash experience week to join us for a week of free virtual events. I cannot wait to meet you and be part of your business journey. When you're day one and you've done, you know, $5,000 in sales and you're thinking about like, you know, how to, how to get next week to $10,000 in sales and $50,000 in sales to really put out there that, you know, this could be a $500 million business was a big hairy goal. And I think, you know, the common denominator for all of us is that we really believed it could be a $500 million business or bigger, right? Tracy Halma is the CEO of Vital Proteins, a CPG company that was the first to market ingestible collagen. Tracy's relationship with Vital Proteins began when the founder approached her to try a new product that he was developing. After trying it and realizing the beauty and health benefits, Tracy was sold and began working with the Vital Proteins team to launch the company. Tune in to hear how to market a one-of-a-kind product and the secrets to Vital Protein success. Coming up, how Vital Proteins was able to avoid the supply chain issues during the pandemic. Tracy shares secrets to how they quickly scaled to a national brand. The importance of understanding your consumer and the benefits of working with influencers. And finally, you will learn the importance of developing a channel strategy. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Tracy, we are so thrilled to have you on today to hear all about your journey and story climbing the ranks at Vital Proteins. I would love to hear what led you to this company and to this role. Can you share more about your background? Sure. Well, so I was in technology, technology sales, technology leadership for, gosh, about 20 years. And I had always done really well with 
kind of focusing on customer success, driving positive sentiment, driving new revenue streams, and and really knowing how to execute. So the founder, Kurt Seidensticker, was a friend of mine. He was actually in the tech space as well. And he came to me and he said, hey, I have a business idea that I want to run past you. And we had been in a fair amount of meetings before, and he had seen, sometimes I'd walk into a meeting and be fishing around for a pen, and I'd be pulling out one product after another after another. And he was like, wow, you've got a lot of products in your bag. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm kind of a top tier customer with Sephora. And it was a, a very funny conversation that was, you know, 15 years ago. And I think it always stuck in his mind. So when he thought about creating an ingestible collagen product, he said, you know, I'd love to get your perspective on this product. And he said, we haven't launched it yet, but the premise behind vital proteins and collagen in general is um, it really is a strong lubricant to joints. And initially he was kind of running from more of a paleo runners kind of mentality. And he didn't realize the beauty benefits of collagen. So hair, skin, nails. And so we sat down and we kind of collaborated on, you know, what collagen does for the body. And he said, I want you to start taking it. And so I took it every day for three weeks. And at that point in time, I was in my early 40s. I just had a CrossFit injury. So I had a torn shoulder labrum. Mm. And, you know, middle-aged suburban mom thinking that she could go toe-to-toe with former NCAA athletes in CrossFit. Uh, You probably have heard the story before. And lo and behold, got injured. And after six months worth of rehab, I couldn't get full mobility in my shoulder. I could get my shoulder to about a 60-degree angle. And it was, you don't really think about losing mobility and kind of limiting your life in some way when you're in your 40s. You know, you think about losing mobility maybe when you're in your 80s or 90s, but not when you're in your 40s. So I started taking the collagen every single day. I put it in my coffee. And about three weeks in, I was going to get a platter to make dinner for my kids. And I reached up and I was like, wait a minute, is this my bad shoulder? And it took me a minute, right? And then I realized that I had done nothing else, hadn't consumed any other supplements, hadn't changed my regimen with with rehab. And all of a sudden, I had full mobility in my shoulder. Wow. And I was like, whoa, this stuff really works. And I picked up the phone and I called him back. And I said, you know, like, I could see that there's a market here, you know, like, it's positively impacting my body. So I've got to presume that would positively impact other people's bodies. So that was really the first step that kind of led me into the attraction of, hey, we could really go out there and change the world and bring something to market that had never been brought to market. Because up until then, the collagen market was really focused on um, the supplement arena. So tablets, capsules that were delivering about 350, 500 milligrams of collagen in a capsule format. What we were talking about was a 20 gram delivery. So obviously the efficaciousness of the collagen dose materially higher than that what was on the market. And we were really first to market in the ingestible collagen space, putting it out there like a protein powder. Both Kurt and I had used Vega protein 
And one thing that we really didn't like about some of the proteins on the market was that it was often a chalky taste. Mm -hmm. So we really focused on quality to make sure that it was unflavored, that you could put it in your coffee, and that you could have a really positive experience with Vital, and you could incorporate it at any point in the day. It didn't have to be just a smoothie ingredient. You can put vital proteins in your oatmeal and your pancakes and your guacamole. You can put it in, you know, your latte in the morning. You can put it in your matcha in the afternoon. So it really has a lot of flexibility. So these were kind of some of the early things that really made the brand promise very attractive. And having built other businesses before and having scaled revenue in material ways, I knew that this would be something that buyers would be attracted to and they'd want to take a chance on this this opportunity. So, you know, we did a lot of things right in the early days in 2014, 2015. We also leaned in with influencers very early. We did a lot of things wrong too. So, you know, I think that so much about being an entrepreneur is taking risks and not being afraid of failure and using that failure as a means to get it right the second or the third or the fourth time. So, I mean, those were some of the early kind of learnings. And I think for me, I wasn't really passionate about technology. And I remember having a conversation with my daughters and they didn't really understand what I did. SAP implementations, storage, they couldn't really wrap their head around what mom did for a living. And I knew that this was an opportunity for me to really show my passion and how this has impacted my life and be a better role model for my kids. I want to learn more about those early years. So take us back to the first few months of launching this company. How big was the team and what were you focused on at the time? Awesome. Well, so we founded the LLC in 2013. Kurt did this. He took some time off right after he formed the LLC because His dad, unfortunately, was in hospice. Mm. So everything was on pause until 2014. 2014 was when the first products were launched. And the team was primarily Kurt's family members, plus me. You know, it was six, seven of us in in the early days. And I would say that we had a big dream. We thought that this could be a $100, $200, $500 million business. And, you know, when you're when you're day one and you've done, you know, $5,000 in sales and you're thinking about like, you know, how to how to get next week to $10,000 in sales and $50,000 in sales to really put out there that, you know, this could be a $500 million business was a big hairy goal. And I think, you know, the common denominator for all of us is that we really believed it could be a $500 million business or bigger, right? Um, so we were very scrappy, uh, in the early days we had, um, a warehouse. It was 1500 square foot warehouse. And I remember Kurt and Corey were epoxying the floor to make it food grade because we realized very early on that co-manufacturers are hard to establish relationships with and to get decent line time when you're a nobody. So was there an opportunity for us to manufacture ourselves? Um, So we thought that that was kind of a big bet, and it was something that most brands didn't do. So even if I look at my peer companies today, you know, the Garden of Life, the Vegas, the 
the organs of the world, you know, most of them are using co-manufacturing facilities. So the fact that we've got our own plant was an early bet back from 2014 that really paid off for us. And it was great during the years of the pandemic and supply chain shortages because we didn't have to worry about when we'd get line time. We didn't have to worry about plants shutting down because it was our plant and we had the ability to be super flexible, which also really helped us out when we did launch in retail, which was about two years after we launched on D2C. So we really started off kind of more down the Casper function of beauty. We're going to focus on D2C and Amazon first, and we're going to really understand who our consumer is and why they're buying vital proteins. Is it because they want to prolong their running career like Kurt, or is it because they really want to improve their postpartum hair loss? And what we found was the consumer was different than we thought it was going to be. And, you know, she gave us a lot of feedback as to why vital and why collagen. And that was, you know, that Intel was able to really help us make decisions moving forward. So we launched in retail in 20, uh, we did some mom and pops in 2015, 2016, but our first major retailer was Whole Foods. That's a big first retailer to get into. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So typically when you go into Whole Foods, as you guys know, you usually get like one shot in one region. They put you in the region that you're based in and it's a little bit of a test and learn Mm -hmm. situation. Um, Thankfully for us, uh, we had done a lot of legwork with Paleo FX, which was a big trade show in Austin. And our buyer had seen our booth at Paleo FX. It definitely wasn't that impressive back in 2014, 2015. And we had done a lot of work with some of the early bloggers. So Mark Sisson, when he was blogging, um, Melissa Hartwig, Melissa Urban now, Wellness Mama. So these were some of our kind of blogger friends when they were still called bloggers before true social media and influencer strategy really kicked off. We were very involved with Weston A. Price and different nutritional credible recommenders. So I think by the time we went and pitched Whole Foods, there was already a little bit of buzz about vital proteins. People were talking about vital proteins. People were posting about vital proteins. And Whole Foods was very interested to scale this up quickly and really be first to market. So we launched in all, I think at the time they had 11 regions. We launched in all 11 regions. And the first 24 months at Whole Foods, we were the first brand to go from zero to $20 million in sales in 24 months Wow! for point of sale. And they really leaned in with us. We really leaned in with them from an innovation standpoint, from a merchandising standpoint. And it was a really great launch pad. Um, You know, we also worked with some other retailers too. And I think you know, one of the challenges that often comes up is what is your channel strategy? And I've spoken to so many founders, people that will come up to me and kind of ask me my thoughts on it. And there's so many people out there that believe that they can, if they do D to C, then they can't do Amazon. And if they do Amazon, then they can't do Costco. And if they do Target, then they can't do Walmart. No, you can do them all. You have to be very thoughtful in how you roll them out and you have to be very thoughtful in your approach. And you have to work really hard to make sure that each retailer has a differentiated assortment and a differentiated value to market that maybe their competition doesn't have. But it's absolutely possible. 
And, you know, one thing that I'm really proud of is it didn't take us that long in 2018. So 2014 is the first time we launched our product on D2C. 2018, that year, we launched at Target, Costco, and Sephora. So one, one thing that I usually kind of throw out there, name another brand that has successfully sold at Sephora, GNC, Walmart, Whole Foods, and Nordstrom. I cannot think of one. <laughs> yeah, right? So I think that the distribution model was very thoughtfully laid out. But at the same time, we made sure that the brand resonated to different types of consumers. And the messaging that we led with in Sephora, clearly very, very different than what we did for Whole Foods. You know, Whole Foods was about, you know, clean, pure nutrition. Um, Sephora, it was about, you know, ingestible beauty. So like making sure that storyline and that pitch resonated with whomever you were, you know, selling the story to. Um, so that was really important. So I think, you know, for founders that are on uh, on the podcast listening, you know, one thing they'll really say is make sure that you really hone in your value proposition and you make sure that you've got the right message. I mean, obviously you need to have the clinicals and the scientific backing. And, you know, in our case, since we are an ingestible product that people consume, you know, clearly we focused a ton of time and effort on quality, transparency, and, and clean label. But you have to make sure that it's resonating with your consumer base. And it's really important to figure out who that consumer base is. So the influencer strategy, that authentic, you know, social listening, that engagement, even just doing survey monkey, like quick snaps on, you know, what product's your favorite? What would you like to see us innovate in the future? It was really important for us to kind of hit that next inflection point and to make our community really feel vested in our success and that we cared about their opinions and we wanted to innovate for them. So, you know, like having that kind of authentic sense of servant leadership. Had Kurt initially raised capital before launching the business or was everything bootstrapped? It was bootstrapped. I'd highly encourage everyone to bootstrap as long as possible. I know that Gwen at the Laundress did that. You know, there's a time and a place where it makes sense to go out and get capital. And we did get capital in 2017. We got capital and we had a great partner and we talked to a lot of venture capital firms before choosing. We went with Kavu and, you know, they gave us a tremendous amount of insight. And, you know, still to this day, I think we're all really good friends. And I think we all recognize what a special time it was. But, you know, again, that taking outside capital, it has to happen at the right time. And I think for us, we were on such a high growth model and we had seen our revenue more than double. So we went from in 2014, we were under a million. In 2015, we were three. In 2016, we were 12. In 2017, we were 40. In 2018, we were 105. So like we knew that we had a window of opportunity. There, were, there weren't a lot of competitors in the space. So for us, you know, it was all about speed to market and getting our new innovation out there before everyone else did. And, you know, today there are 227 collagen um, providers that sell on Amazon. 
which is something that I just looked up last week. <laughs> and in the early days, you know, there were three, four, five of us in 2015, 2016. So um, because the category grew so quickly and because, you know, we really led the category, um, a lot of people saw opportunity there and a lot of new competitors jumped into the market. So I think for us, it was all about leveraging that capital to really help us propel and, you know, do different innovations and some of which worked, some of which didn't, you know, our college and waters haven't been a huge success for us. So we're going to be exiting the market on college and waters as an example. So like, I think it's really important to, you know, make sure that you're taking the capital when you absolutely need it. And you've got a strong plan as to what you're going to do with it. So we only took one round of capital. Um, we did do a follow-up round of debt with our bank just to kind of get us through that last push. And then we were majority owned, um, majority owned acquired uh, in June of 2020 during the pandemic, which was also kind of interesting going through the management presentations right prior to the pandemic. And that majority owned went to Nestle Health Science. And then we were fully acquired by Nestle Health Science in December 31st of last year, actually 2021. So a little over a year ago. Up next, you'll learn why Tracy believes in progress over perfection when it comes to product development. Hi, entrepreneurs! You know I am always here to provide you with as much value as possible. So I wanted to be sure that you have access to the Entreprenista Agenda, our weekly newsletter where we share the latest business news, success stories, grant opportunities, as well as all of our favorite resources and special offers for founders just like you. You can sign up to join our weekly newsletter and join over 50,000 other entrepreneurs over at entreprenista.com forward slash newsletter. That's entreprenista.com slash newsletter to subscribe to the Entreprenista Agenda. The path that you described sounds like every founder's dream, but we all know in business that there's all the things that go on behind the scenes that don't go according to plan. Can you share some of those big mistakes you made in those first few years? You alluded to them earlier. Yeah, it took us four iterations of college and bars until we got it right. The first couple ones didn't taste good. And I think that, you know, this was right after we got venture capital funding. And in our mind, it was so important to go out and expand outside of the protein and meal replacement category and to go get a lock hold into the bar category, or I would say center store, right? So if we think about a Whole Foods Everything that we had had, you know, great success with up until 2017, 2018 was in the whole body department where you would buy supplements and protein powders and your BioK shots, probiotics, right? And we thought that our path to the next kind of tranche of revenue was going to be going out there and entering new categories like beverage, like, you know, potentially we developed a a non-dairy creamer, but it was a cold chain creamer that had collagen in it. So we were really focused on entering other categories. And bars was another one of those categories that we had our sights on. And kind of getting back to the operations, because, you know, so much about 
launching a successful brand, like, yes, you need great branding and you guys are really great at social media and like really being able to have that communication style of a brand and have that brand show up with a personality. Um, But there's all these other aspects, right? Having the right legal team behind you, having the right operations team behind you, having the right co-manufacturers and suppliers behind you. And as I said before, you know, we were doing all of our own manufacturing. So now we're in a space that's about 200,000 square foot manufacturing facility. And it's, you know, state of the art and, and great. Where was that facility? Outside of Chicago. So it's in Franklin Park right next to O'Hare. And then our headquarters are in Chicago too. So it was convenient to have headquarters and manufacturing in the same place. But kind of getting back to, you know, we're really good at manufacturing. We have the ability to kind of keep a close eye on margins and keep a close eye on, you know, where there's opportunity for efficiencies. And, you know, like we have the ability to do limited time runs. You know, we did a pink moon milk with Kourtney Kardashian for her Poosh label. We were the first product to launch on Poosh. So we were able to do that. Whereas when you're working with Comans, and you don't have a formula that you know is going to be a huge success, it's a big risk, right? So for us, collagen bars were a big risk because it involved working with the flavor house. It involved kind of, I think we had 33 iterations of our first collagen bar, and we really wanted to launch them at Expo West. And we knew that it wasn't quite perfect, but as a company, we had a strong belief in progress over perfection. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you launched a product that was like 98% there and the intent was to get feedback from the consumers and then bring it back in and reiterate and perfect it along the way. So it's all about that kind of maximizing the opportunity and getting out there and launching collagen bars before anyone else did. That being said, the flavors... There were a couple of flavors that were really good and there were a couple of flavors that weren't so good. And in retrospect, we should have only launched the two ones that were really good and kind of killed the other flavors and did more of a test and learn approach, but we didn't. And, you know, what we realized was it's a lot harder to ensure quality at a third party manufacturing plant. It's a lot harder to have consistency when you're talking about an extensive blend of ingredients. We're very fortunate that our number one selling product is one single ingredient. As soon as you start getting into the blending space and the developing and the product development space, the complexity goes up. And as you can imagine with the supply chain issues that we've all dealt with in the past couple of years, you know, if some day Madagascar vanilla isn't available and you've got Madagascar vanilla on your back of pack, you know, legally, you cannot manufacture that product. And that's why so many products go out of stock. So I think it was a lot of those learnings that I'd played out for us in the collagen bar space. And we then came out with another version of collagen bars and then a third version of collagen bars. I think now we've actually perfected it. We've launched our Jennifer Aniston collagen bars and they taste great. But it was a lot of failures. And it also kind of gave us pause that, you know, do we really want to be trying to go out and win in a category that the brand awareness is very low for Vital and the market saturation and the competitive landscape is very broad? Or do we want to win in a category that we're already at 50% market share? 
So when we were at 50% market share, we're at 55% market share. We kind of had that inflection point that let's be tried and true and let's stick to the basics and let's be really great at what we do and innovate in different ways, but keep it more in that supplement and protein space as opposed to trying to go out there and put collagen and popcorn or collagen and ice cream, which was some of the activity that we saw when collagen took off as an ingredient. So interesting. And I love hearing that learning lesson. I think it's very valuable because you can't always be everything to everyone. And just being able to focus on some of the things that you're great at is definitely a good lesson to share. You mentioned Jennifer Aniston and Mm -hmm. partnering with the company. I know a lot of our entrepreneurs are always looking to, you know, do deals with celebrities or influencers, and they can be very tricky to navigate, especially when dealing with an A-list celebrity. Can you share any learning lessons from that partnership and how you navigated it? Sure. Probably even more so with an A++++ celebrity. So I think for us, what really worked with Jen is that in 2015, her functional doctor recommended Vital Proteins. So getting kind of back to that Weston A. Price, credible recommenders, you know, people that we really focused on that nutritional space in the early days. So her functional doctor recommended that she take vital proteins. She started using it. We didn't know her. We were in 2015, you know, we were about a $3 million company. In 2016, she did her first interview and where she mentioned there's a collagen peptide that I use. And it gives my skin a healthy glow. And I remember we read that and we were like, how cool would it be if she actually used our product? And the first article was in Mind and Body. And then a couple months after that, there was an article in People Magazine. And she was named People Magazine's Most Beautiful Woman in in America in 2016. And she said it again, collagen peptide that I use. And then there was a call out with a picture of our package. And at that point in time, we had about 12 people in the company. We were about $7 million in revenue. And we were like, whoa. And I remember like all the marketing, you know, folks were like hugging and high fiving. (laughs) It was like such a celebration. And in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, supply chain. Like we've got to get more raw materials. So like they're celebrating and I'm kind of freaking out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You got good business problems. (laughs) Yeah. So fortunately, our lead supplier, who still is our lead supplier, so we've got a long-term relationship, strategic relationship with them. You know, we reached out and said, you know, like, hey, is there an opportunity for us to get some more raw materials? Jennifer Aniston just mentioned our product. And they were pretty excited by it because, you know, imagine a supplier, like somehow being linked to an A-list celebrity, So they really partnered with us to make sure that we were able to support the incoming market demand. And immediately we saw a huge spike on vitalproteins.com. And that kind of became our pitch book for going into retailers. So Mm. I had said that we went into Whole Foods first. Jennifer Aniston was a big piece of our first pitch book to Whole Foods that she's a user. She's talking about it in the media. You know, there is brand awareness. We weren't reliant on Whole Foods to build our brand or any other retailer, we knew that the onus was on us to build our own brand and to really drive activated, educated consumers 
into their retailer of choice to buy the product. And that was a big pitch that buyers really hadn't heard before. What do you mean that you're going to drive the consumer into my store? But that was how we were able to very quickly get Whole Foods, get Sprouts, get GNC, get Vitamin Shop, get into Costco, get into Target. And, you know, I would say that most brands, it takes, you know, two, three years to amass that roster. And we were able to do it in about 18 months. How did your relationship with Jennifer evolve? So getting back to the Jennifer thing. So we knew that she was an authentic fan of our brand. And clearly at that point in time, we were very small. We didn't have the ability to have a strategic, meaningful relationship with Jennifer Aniston. We got the name of her publicist. We sent her products. You know, we sent her notes like, thanks for loving our brand. Hey, here's a new product. So I think that time cultivates partnerships with celebrities. And if they're authentically a user of your brand, that plays out very well for you. So in 2017, post venture capital funding, you know, we really thought about like who would be the best celebrity partnership for us. And of course, Jen always landed on that list. You know, one thing for us was we were such a social media organization. We had kind of cultivated our brand. We had amassed, you know, 300,000 followers in 2018. You know, obviously now it's, it's closer to a million. So one thing that felt a little bit inauthentic for us back then was that Jen wasn't on social media. And at the time she was kind of shunning social media. So how could we really leverage both of our best brand selves if we weren't meeting in the middle in social media? So that was one of the reasons why we just didn't really move forward with any celebrity partnership in 2018, 2019. In late 2019, she got on social media. So if you remember the day that she did Instagram, (laughs) right? 30 million followers in one day. And then I think it just made the conversation much more authentic. You know, like she now is leveraging the power of social media. We as a brand that were really built from social media and really kind of appealing to that millennial female consumer, there was like a very natural bridge. So then the conversations began then. Of course, we were navigating the pandemic. We were navigating, you know, an investment by Nestle Health Science. So there was a lot of things going on at the same time. You know, it took us probably a little bit longer to come up with the right strategy, but she didn't want to just be a global spokesperson for us. She didn't want to be just an ambassador. She wanted to actually be involved in our creative. She really wanted to be involved in product development. So I think also really fine-tuning what are the goals that you have as a brand? What are the goals that the celebrity has? And, you know, some celebrities want to do kind of transactional partnerships, and there's a time and a place for transactional partnerships. You guys are in the influencer world. You probably have seen a lot of transactional partnerships. And, you know, Jennifer Aniston is not a transactional partnership kind of gal. She's had very few partnerships, Living Proof, Avino, Smartwater, and the list kind of falls off very quickly. Lola V, but she's a partner in Lola V. And that's it, right? So she wanted to make sure that if she was going to tie her name to any brand, that there was good synergy that she believed authentically in our brand story and our brand promise and our purpose, and that we saw value in what she could bring to the table. 
And like I said before, she, on our collagen bars, which she innovated herself, right? So these were all ingredients that she would put into her daily smoothie that she said, hey, how can we incorporate them into an on-the-go snack, you know, better for you, functional ingredient snack. So those were the things that were important to her. And, you know, for us, it was important to leverage her name to really bring new people into the brand. So at the time, you know, we had great success in the collagen market space, but what we really wanted to do was go out there and bridge the gap into the Generation X consumers, go into Generation Z make the brand a little bit more broader and more appealing where it's not just an Instagram millennial female brand. And we didn't realize that she would help us bridge the gap so well to the male audience, but she has, which has been an added benefit over the past you know, year, year and a half. But these were all kind of the makings of what made the partnership so good and so authentic. And I'm just really happy and proud that we have a long-term partnership with her and, you know, just a really collaborative, you know, set of opportunities to kind of bring her to market with us in ways that not a lot of other brands have that opportunity. You touched on a lot of really important things in regards to influencer marketing, and we're always advising brands on their influencer marketing strategy. And we always say you have to work with influencers that authentically love your brand. So that is so important and really the key to a successful partnership. I want to know more about your influencer strategy when you were bootstrapped. You mentioned Mm -hmm. that that is how you grew the brand. Who were you working with in the early days when you needed people to try your product and not so many people knew about you? Well, like I said, you know, Mark Sisson was a friend of the brand. And ironically, then he went out and did collagen under his Primal Kitchen label. So like he was an early influencer, if you will. Melissa Urban was as well. So it was a Whole30 approved item and she started authentically using our product. Wellness Mama, like I said, was probably, Katie was probably the first person that really got our name on the map. And that was more when she was more of a blogger than technically, a, you know, like an Instagram influencer. Shut the Kale Up, Jeanette Ogden was an early influencer for us. Lee from America I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. You're kind of putting me on the spot here. But, you know, we always really strove for having influencers that had an authentic relationship with their viewers that were offering good advice. There was always something very grounded in nutrition and well-being and how to improve your overall health. Um, So, like, those were ones that I would say were, you know, kind of early on with us. And obviously, you know, they've evolved and we are still friends in, you know, other ways, but we may not be working with them from an influencer standpoint. I think, you know, we've also branched out into coffee influencers who knew that there were even coffee influencers back then. In the early days, there weren't. But now, you know, there's baristas that do their coffee drinks and we've got, we're continuing to evolve our influencer strategy. And we've had several iterations of it. We have a lot of relationships with young moms. It seems like young moms is a really core demographic for us because they go through the process of pregnancy and then they go through postpartum and they have hair loss and they're worried about their stretch marks and collagen all plays in really well 
um, to that storyline. Meow Mix is one of our influencers that's very active right now. And she just had a baby like six months ago. And kind of going through that process of postpartum, same thing with Kitty Dunlap, Love Sweat Fitness. So she's done a lot with us over the years as well. So, I mean, that's kind of a sweet spot for us with influencers, but we are dabbling in kind of other areas of influencers as well. We've done more with college influencers on TikTok. We've done some with skincare influencers as well. So I think from an influencer strategy, you always have to be kind of thinking about how to make sure that your roster is fresh. And then the messaging kind of comes across in a different way than it came across back in 2016 or 2019. So I don't envy what you do because it is way more art than it is science. And it's really hard to get that art right. But, you know, you guys do an amazing job um, consulting your clients. Tracy, I would love to hear any advice you can share from growing your team from just the few of you when you first started that business Mm -hmm. to now, I imagine you have a huge team. How many people are on your team now? 488. I mean, wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you know, having lots and lots of children that you're responsible for and managing. Can you Mm -hmm. talk to us about the, just the changes of going from a small bootstrap startup to now, Mm -hmm. you know, this team of over 400 people and any learning lessons you can share? Sure. I mean, I think that, you know, it's all really about grounding yourself in servant leadership and literally caring about every individual and, you know, remembering their kids' names and, you know, having that point of connection with everyone. I think that the consistency in me being at Vital for nine years has really gone a long way to to still make Vital feel very family-like, right? And so even though we're a large organization, I think that the ethos of Vital from the early days is um, very much front and center. You know, Kurt founded the company um, with his family members, and we always call one another the Vital Fam. There's a GIF on Instagram that's Vital Fam. Mm -hmm. So I think that that message is very important, and that's something that we strive every day for. You know, I think across the board, you know, we have some mantras of, always be learning and challenge the status quo. So unlike some companies, and I've worked for Fortune 100 companies like IBM and Dell, um, sometimes challenging the status quo is not really a welcome mindset. You know, it's kind of stay in your lane, do your job, keep your head down. You would hear, hear that in corporate America. And I think at Vital, we really celebrate you know, coming to the table with new ideas, using your voice is very important. In the early days, we had a customer advocate, which is our customer service reps. She was probably 23, 24. And she said, you know, I'd really love the collagen to have a flavor because I put it in my morning shake every day and I'm using vanilla protein powder. And I really don't want to use the vanilla whey because of the, the dairy aspect of it, but I love the vanilla flavor you know, we should have a vanilla peptide. And we were like, oh, yeah, we should have a vanilla peptide. And I can tell you like a dozen other stories of product innovations that were brought forward by our existing employees. Mm. So I think that using your voice is so important as whether you're a founder and, you know, like a, a CEO or whether you're an individual contributor that, you know, maybe a year or two out of college. 
I just went to a program at UC Berkeley last year. And one of my favorite professors just authored a book called Being a Changemaker. And being a changemaker, you can be an intern and being a changemaker. You can be a CEO and be a changemaker. You can be a first-line manager and be a changemaker. Anyone can be a changemaker, introvert, extrovert. And I think that we really celebrate that notion within Vital. We want people to bring forth new ideas. As you can imagine, going from zero to a billion-dollar brand in a very short period of time, we didn't have the best processes in place. So when people come forth with business process improvement ideas, I'm like, oh my God, yes, absolutely. Um, so I think that you know having that open mindset and encouraging a sense of, you know, like your voice needs to be heard and their psychological safety that's associated with using your voice is really important. And, and these are traits that modern companies look like today. You know, I think gone are the days of the you must work 80 hours a week and the decisive CEO that wants to cut throats. And, you know, like I know Elon Musk is still up to that at Twitter right now, but I don't think it's sustainable. And I think that, you know, what people strive for in the companies that they work for or the companies that they're building mm-hmm. are companies that, you know, are not only providing great products to the market or a great service to the market, but also companies that are doing good for the world. And, you know, doing good for the world starts, you know, with the company ethos and how we show up and how we act and, you know, how we show kindness to one another. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, Tracy. Coming up, how Vital Proteins leveraged their influencer marketing and became a social media inspired company. Hey, entrepreneurs, Stephanie here. Dressing up while working from home has truly been a challenge, but guess what? I found a solution founded by a fellow entrepreneurista. It's Armoire. You can rent stylish clothes weekly or monthly right from the app. You'll spend less time shopping and you can get up to 50% off of your first month plus two bonus items. Just use the code entrepreneurista at checkout or visit armoire.style forward slash entrepreneurista to claim your offer. Look and feel your best with Armoire. I know I do. That's armoire.style forward slash entrepreneurista. All right, Tracy, we are going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So the first word or words that come to your mind, you ready? I'm a little bit nervous, but yes. Oh, you can do it. Ready? Describe yourself in three words. Passionate, nurturing, and a change agent. Coffee or tea? Coffee. What is your favorite app on your phone that you cannot live without? Instagram. Best business tool that helped you grow your business? That's a hard one. I mean, there's so many of them that I would say syndicated data. And finally, do you have a hidden talent? I read tarot cards. Oh my gosh, can you read mine? We're changing the segment. <laughs> well, the funny thing is we have a Slack channel that's called Tracy's Tarot. And I will say that there have been several times that business decisions have been made off of tarot. Tracy, I, actually have a question I really want to read it. 
<laughs> yeah, me too. Can you? How do you learn how to read tarot cards? I don't think I'm that great at it, but I have a ton of apps. I've done a fair amount of research on Reddit. I've gone to um, different tarot readers over the years. So the reason why I got into it, one, when I was 24, blew my mind and told me things that I was like, there's no way that this is going to happen. And there was an inflection point of like a lot of things changing in my middle years. And they all have come to fruition. So when I started realizing that what she had said when I was 25 came to fruition, I decided to get into it about five years ago. So because clearly she was clairvoyant. Wait, so what business decisions have you made from the tarot cards? (laughs) (laughs) Where we were going to launch and one of our strategic partners came off of tarot. A couple of hiring decisions have come off of tarot. Wow. I will say this is a first hidden talent and (laughs) most amazing fun fact. And I love hearing this. So thank you, Tracy. (laughs) Yeah, you kind of made me speechless and you blew my mind. Well, when you're not working and reading tarot, what else do you do outside of work? I love to be outside. So whenever I have a problem in my head that I've got to sort through, I get outside. So I love hiking. I love being in the woods. I love gardening. I've got a swimming pool, so I love to swim. So like anything outdoors, which is ironic that I live in Chicago and there are times of the year where it's hard to be outdoors, but nature is something that like gives me life and breathes my soul. Do you have a mantra or quote that you live your life by? Always be learning. So I think curiosity is so, so important. And if I think about my path. I was very successful in technology by all practical purposes. My dad was very proud of my ascent within IBM and my matching 401k. So the thought of leaving that stability and going to sell cow powder, as he called it, um, you know, like that requires like taking risk and thinking outside of the box. So you know, if I wasn't innately curious, I don't think I would have been able to make that big leap of faith. Um, so I think that as long as we stay curious as individuals, the most curious people are the ones that make the best entrepreneurs and business mm-hmm. leaders. I could not agree more. Final question for you, Tracy. What does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? It's so important. I mean, when I think about you know, how I can help drive value to the next generation of entrepreneurs. I've got two daughters. So one is 19. She's a sophomore at the University of Michigan and one's in high school. And I really want to pay it forward for this next generation of leaders. By the time my daughters enter the workforce, I'll probably be on my way out of the workforce. So I think it's so important to pay it forward to the next generation. We just heard about Barbara Walters passing and you think about what she did to pioneer opportunity for women, right? For women to have a seat at the table. I'm super passionate about women's empowerment. I'm a founding member of Chief. And I think it's my role as a female leader in, you know, a predominantly male space of CPG to open that door and bring more women to the table and make sure that I'm handing the baton to other women that can 
then hand the baton to my kids, you know, 20, 30 years from now. Well, thank you for all you're doing to help women. Our mission and visions are clearly aligned and so excited to continue to follow everything you're going to do with not only Battle Proteins, but beyond the, the company as well. And excited to, to stay in touch, Tracy. Where can everyone find you and follow you? And for those that are interested in maybe trying Battle Proteins for the first time, where should they head to? Awesome. So on LinkedIn, it's Tracy Warner Halima. On Instagram, it's Tracy Halima. On Twitter, it's Tracy Halima. Vital Proteins is vitalproteins.com. Obviously, we're on all of the social media channels. In terms of trying Vital Proteins, we're available at Costco, Target, Walmart, Whole Foods, Amazon, pretty much every retailer, (laughs) conventional grocery, natural grocery, a lot of, it's even sold at Barry's Bootcamp, right? So I think you can find us in a lot of the places that you're probably already frequently. Amazing. Thank you, Tracy, for being here. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead. Hey, Entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. Do you want to experience what it's like to be part of our Entrepreneurs League community of founders? Now is your chance. New member open enrollment begins on June 10th, and so does our Experience Week. I really want you to have the opportunity to experience what it's like to be part of the most supportive community that will be here to support you at all stages of your business journey during our Experience Week. This will be a five-day virtual event series, and it starts on Monday, June 10th through Friday, June 14th. You're going to get access to live networking and learning events, business growth strategies, as well as office hours with Kim Corral, who is a CEO and serial entrepreneurista, as well as a prominent angel investor. You will also get access to a session on how to win grants with Kat Weaver and Katie Dunn, founders of Power to Pitch. Plus, our mentor, Carrie Kirpin, will be teaching a session all about how to build a profitable business that can sell for more money. And of course, I'll be hosting two info and networking sessions where you can really get an inside look at all of the exclusive benefits and resources that are offered only inside of our Entrepreneurs League community. Plus, you'll have the chance to meet and build relationships with current members. You can register today for Experience Week over at entreprenista.com forward slash experience week. That's entreprenista.com forward slash experience week to join us for a week of free virtual events. I cannot wait to meet you and be part of your business journey.